sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. Welcome to the best soccer show. The best soccer show in the whole world. Here we go, best soccer show live Monday night. Jason Davis, Jared Dubois on the road in Chicago. Coming at you. We're here. Brought to you by the Holiday Inn. <laughs> Holiday. They put you up in the fancy digs when you go on the road. <laughs> Do you get at least you get complimentary breakfast? It's the Holiday the Holiday Inn Express, no less. Oh, it is the Express. So that means that you're yes, I do. You're smart. You, yeah, but is it like a bagel and some cold cereal and like OJ? Like that's it's not even like like you got getting bacon and eggs, are you? And already we have problems with the Holiday and Express uh, internet. <laughs> delay, delay there, after me. <laughs> I know. What's up with this delay? We were fine the whole time leading up to going live. All of a sudden we go live and it gets crazy. I do get a bacon and eggs. I had some biscuits and gravy this morning, but there's a few different things to choose from. And not only that, the Holiday and Express also has a complimentary beer and wine, uh, like, uh, like meet and greet hour every evening. Wow. Well, that's, that's classy, I suppose. Were, were you know? Are there, are there drunk people involved? Yeah. I'm, I, How drunk are the people? Jared? Um, I don't know. I take a glass and I go. I don't want to like talk to those people. Okay. Uh, they're 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 executive drunk. You know, it's people that are like uh, traveling. Everyone here is on business, so everyone here is like having that a couple of glasses of wine, and then the tr- probably trying to act like they don't have a wife or a husband. Okay. Yeah. That's that's yeah yeah that's dicey on the road. Jay Rodis is running around flashing the ring, right? Like, hey, ladies, look, I'm taking, taking, just letting everybody know in the room, taking, taking. I'm, I'm, I'm not that, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy that takes the ring off. I'm no, that kind of, of guy not. that uh, stays true. I, I stay true. To, uh, I don't think I've ever cheated on a girlfriend. The little, Maybe, little Jay Rodis you know, uh, you know, insight. If you and I ever decided to pull the curtain back fully on the relationships. That we have had since the uh, start of this program. You're married to a lovely lady, Megan. Mm-hmm. She's got she's born you two children. They are the heirs mm-hmm. to the J. Rodius fortune. She is a fantastic person. I'm in a different boat. Let's go to the phone lines. <laughs> two six seven. You're on the air. I pick up the damn phone and you're talking about cheating on people, and I thought I had the wrong number. <laughs> Nobody's cheating. Nobody's cheating. We're all we're all no, the up and we're up. We're talking about days. the fact that we don't cheat. Yeah, something like that. Yes. Who is this, and what do you want? It's Jonathan Tannenwald. I guess it was a half second too late. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Tannenwald from Philly dot com. John. Uh, well, speaking you're... of cheaters, let's talk about Mexico. <laughs> this is very good. Jay Rodius, hold on, John. I got to do this. Jay Rodius. All right, John, so we have yet to even delve into our soccer topics four minutes into the show. What is it that you would like to bring up first? Because we'll happily take our call from you. I have a complaint. Okay. Uh-oh. The following, the following came out of Jurgen Klinsmann's mouth after the game Saturday in response to a question that I asked him uh, in his press conference as to whether the pressure on him now is and I sort of kneel now that I said elevated compared to what he was felt before during his tenure. The point was, he said, he said on Friday, oh, you know, it's not as much pressure as it is in Europe. In Europe, they slap you in the face with it, you know, this and the other thing. I said, okay, you've talked about how much, you know, how little pressure there is here. You've talked over the years about how you want there to be more pressure, you know, more intensity in the sport in this country. I said, okay, is this the most pressure you've ever been under going into this playoff game? And he said, I don't know. You be the judge of that. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, that, that's kind of counter, counterintuitive there. Uh, he, how do we ever know how, what kind of pressure he has felt? Wait, it's, uh, you got to think John, Bayern Munich was worse, though, right? John, I'm sure. But John, he's talking about in, John's talking about in the context of the U.S. men's national team job. Is, the mo- is this the most pressure Jurgen Klinsmann's, Klinsmann's ever felt? It's a direct question that has a direct answer. And Jurgen Klinsmann, being the arbiter of pressure as he is, because he tells all his players to go overseas, to be in more pressure, that there needs to be more pressure on the players here in this country that the coaches and the team and then we try to, we try to bring it and he blows us off he says I don't know come on 
Come on. That's terrible, John. I- I'm with you on that 100%. So, John, you know, I've, I've, I've been listening to how. So, go ahead, Jared. Go ahead, Jared. Uh, I would say, uh, how how do you how do we as Americans how do we put that pressure on Jurgen Klinsmann? What is our outlet? What is our medium? Like, or, or how do we put pressure on Jurgen Klinsmann? I don't know if we know how to do anything more than we're already doing. I'll tell you what, and you know, as trite as it may have been, and look, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily in favor of firing the guy right this second. But some of, when they played the game at the Home Depot, the setup center a couple months ago, somebody hung the Klinsman out banner over the railing just to get attention. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I remember. Well, somebody will do that again. Okay. Let's see what happens. And, and, Jer- and, and John, not- John, John, what you, did, what you just did is what I did today on Soccer Morning. And what I think a lot of people are doing, we are bringing our criticism to Jurgen Klinsmann while at the same time saying, I'm not necessarily saying he should be fired now. And there are good reasons for that. But if we have to mitigate our criticism, maybe he's got a point. Okay, I can't be in a position where I call for his firing directly. Okay, I All see. All the other callers can. I see, I see. So, there's, well, so you I'll tell you have, what, I have a, absolutely nothing to lose. And okay. I'll say if he can't get us to the Confederations Cup for that playoff, then I'm willing to entertain him being gone. Okay. Fair enough. And look, I am. I've been. I spent my my last five days on the air, four days, whatever it's been, on the air, attempting to put into context what's been going on with this team. And all I get, and, and I'm not saying this is everybody, and it, it, I'm not even saying it's a majority. But every time I level some criticism at Jurgen Klinsmann over results that are black and white, he lost to Jamaica. That's never happened before in this country. He lost in the semifinals. The United States has missed the final of the Gold Cup since 2003 when they lost to Brazil. Whenever I point these things out and say maybe his job should be in question, I get, oh, no, they're so much better now, and the players aren't good enough. It's not his fault. There's a long-term plan. Just wait until 2018, Jared, and then we'll have all these kids ready to go to beat up the world. And I don't understand that logic at all. It's a results business. He's not getting the results. My my, my issue is... you're right, but my I'm issue you, is I'm clearly not right. You know, I'm clearly among the under. You don't have any deliverables to measure him by. Hey, John, go ahead, and I'm going to let you go. Okay, so you had a bunch of – you had like 20 callers in the last 36 hours saying if only the U.S. had better players. First of all, how many of those callers have gone to say the same thing to the youth co- the coaches of their kids' teams? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And second of all, the one guy who called into you saying that if Michael Bradley was playing in Italy or born in Italy or whatever it was, he'd be ten times the player. Remember that? Ten times better, John. Ten times. That's what the guy said. I know. And I almost called into you on the spot, but I wasn't going to get in the way. The first thing that went to my mind was, yes, and Jurgen Klinsmann might still be playing him out of position. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. John, I appreciate the call. It's a good way to dive into the Klinsman stuff. Uh, thanks a lot. Jonathan Tannewell from Philly.com. I'm going to let him go. Uh, we are working with a slight delay because of the Holiday Inn Express internet, which, uh, you know, I'm sure they do their best, Jared, but it is what it is. The, the the Express is not a good reflection or or a good definition for their internet service. It's definitely not Express. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, you and I like to leave the door open for possible sponsorships down the road. I'm guessing Holiday Inn's not going to be sponsoring the best soccer show at any point in the near future. So I feel comfortable saying, damn it, Holiday Inn Express, what's wrong with your internet? 503, you're on the air. Oh, hey guys, it's Patrick in Portland. Hey, uh, sorry, I just turned in. I'm not sure what you guys are talking about, but I want to see if we could talk a little U.S. national team. Oh, that's what we're talking about. You know, that's what's leading the cool. show. There's, there's no way we could possibly <laughs> go forward into a show on a Monday night uh, two days after losing in the third place game and not talk about <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann and this team, Patrick. What's exactly. – what's uh, hey, wh- um, go ahead. So one of the things I was thinking, you know, um, I was really thinking like, you know, what, what does this team need, you know, uh, and I really think that, you know, we really need a guy that, that can hold the ball and kind of take his time and kind of set up the attack and uh, you know who's uh, just around the corner from getting his uh, citizenship up here in Portland is uh, <laughs> Nagby. But see, okay, look, Patrick, I, I, I want da- Darlington Nagby to become a U.S. citizen. I want him to play for the United States of America. I think he's an excellent player. I think he could bring something to the table. But 
you know, and it's great to talk about the guys we want to bring in and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can sit here and argue for Failhaber, and obviously, you know, uh, Omar Gonzalez didn't see enough of the field, and we can talk about all this stuff. It doesn't change the fact that Jurgen Klinsmann, I know this isn't why you call it, but it doesn't change the fact that Jurgen Klinsmann failed with a group of players he had no business failing with. And, and that's sort of why I'm riled up today and, and been riled up since, since Wednesday, Jared. Well, I made this point on, on, on Twitter, uh, I think yesterday. We had the golden ball winner and the golden glove winner and still lost to Panama and, and Jamaica. What does that say about the other nine players on the field or the team in general? Yeah. That they don't have anything between the bookends that really works as a cohesive group. And I put that on Klisman because, once again, how many starting 11s repeated at all this year? How way, much a chance for a rhythm yeah. and a, and a, and a uh, starting group that's cohesive? Has he even given a chance to I, uh, develop? And God, I, I am so... I, I do not understand why people gloss over that issue why they gloss over the fact that he has created no continuity within this team whatsoever how could you possibly play patrick how could you possibly play effective soccer week in week out day okay well i can let that call go okay we had somebody else on the line they uh <laughs> they must have had to brought their child to the party i understand how you can play effective soccer if you don't know who's lining up next to you and, and yeah it's okay to shuffle in some players and certainly you could argue that you know, he didn't take off Dempsey against Cuba when he had the opportunity in a game that was going to be out or of hand. Bradley. Or Bradley. He could have rested those guys. He could have brought in somebody else to take uh, to take, take over in that game. But the, the the problem is it's not just about the, the, the number of the players that he's calling in and then shuffling around. It's the fact that they don't have a, a solid plan from game to game, Jared. It's not. I don't. I don't. I don't think he made a mistake with the twenty three he brought in. I think the twenty three he brought in were probably the best okay. twenty three. Who really missed out? They could have been there. It's the choice to not develop a starting eleven game in game out. You can pencil in a starting eleven for Germany tonight, and you'll be right nine out of the eleven guys probably. You can do the same thing for a number of different teams in the world. Well, and maybe even, not the beginning of a qualifying even, cycle. Right now. I get it, maybe, but towards even towards the World Cup, he was doing this last year, leading into the World Cup. But even and that's the thing. Even if you couldn't name the eleven, what you could what you could imagine or what you would expect to happen is Yogi Love to name eleven guys or have a, a, a small group, fourteen, fifteen guys at the most, and play them. And if they're going to change a system, if they're going to shift to something, then he he works that out over a, the span of a couple of games and you go from one thing to another maybe you change something it doesn't work okay let's talk about it let's work this out okay now we need to to move this piece here and, and etc what Klinsman does is again throw stuff up against the wall and goes does that stick no does that stick no does that stick ah, a little bit and then stick with that for but I don't mind if I saw results getting out results come out of that like okay I learned this from that. I don't see what he's learning from these because the next thing, it's like in business or math or anything, science, you change one thing at a time so you can just study study what that one variable did to a constant. Yeah. There's no constant yeah. here. Hey, There's too many, it's just all variables. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's all variables. Uh, that's a perfect way to say it. Uh, I got to let you go. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, no, it just seems like it's almost like his ultimate goal is looking at 2018. And it's like he, he's almost, I don't want to say he's, glo he's glossing over these results, but it's like, he, you know, at some point you got to stop the experimentation and you got to get a solid yeah. lineup. Appreciate him, Patrick. All right, 818 with the kid. Who is this? <laughs> What's going on? Hey, guys, question. Yeah, sure. Who oversees St. Now, July? Who, who decides if he's staying on or not as far as? Is it, is it like the soccer federation? Do they elect them, or who, who's on? Is it a board? I'm not sure. And then uh, my second question was: um, since, uh, since he, over, he 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 uh, didn't take Beezer and Gonzalez sat a lot, do you think that has something to do with them staying out with MLS? Because I know Beezer had opportunity to go to Europe. Yeah. Uh, that, that All right. <laughs> we had an opportunity to go to the World Cup, but I mean, go to Europe, but he did it. I don't know. Does that have something to do with it? Do you think? Um, possibly. Uh, Jared, you want to take the second question first? I'll was he talking here. about Beasler? Was that that one? Yeah, was? he was basically saying, "Do you think Beasler was punished for sticking, for staying in MLS, for resigning in MLS?" No, 
No, no, no, no. I think Beasler's punished because he criticized Jurgen Klinsmann's uh, need to run two-a-days and, and his fitness issues back in, I think it was November. Wasn't it the last game of 2014 where coming out of that and uh, off-season MLS, Beasler came back to Kansas City camp, or maybe even been after Cup Camp Cupcake. I can't remember. Somewhere in that range right there. And he's one of the few players that actually kind of criticized Jurgen Klinsmann's uh, tactics with conditioning and, and uh, the way he called out MLS players. So I think to this day, Beasler are still paying paying for that, just like yeah. Failhaber is still paying for not being on the Klinsman Bagway 100% four mm. years ago. Yeah. I got Eddie in Brooklyn and Nick in Toledo both on the phone. I'm going to take Eddie first. What's going on? Hey, gentlemen, what's up? Long time no speak, Jared. What's going on? What's up, Costa Rica? <laughs> Alright, so I'm, I'm presuming you guys are talking about USMNC? Yes, sir. Alright, so I had a question. So we all know Klinsman has his guys, right? So you guys will take a Wando, or he'll take a Wando over, say, an Agudelo, and he'll take a mix over, say, a Sasha question. So I don't want to kind of make this a pick-your-poison thing because that's kind of Derek's thing. But say if I gave you Sasha, Phil Harbor, and Agudelo, three of the guys that I think that Klinsman should have uh, either brought to the Gold Cup or should have given more looks, say, in the last couple of, uh, last couple of months, which of the three do you guys think uh, would have helped the U.S. more in this Gold Cup and would help them more moving forward? Man, Man I, I would say, I would say, wow, I, I would say Benny Failhaber. Yeah, and here's why. I think that one, if you see one of the consistent problems was getting the getting the strikers into good position and the shots on goal statistic for versus and versus over the course of this Gold Cup is absolutely mind boggling in terms of how many shots were given up. To how many shots were created for the U.S. men's national team, and I think if you put Benny Failhaber in there, you get the best of both worlds. You get Bradley playing box to box now, and you get to have someone in front that can create. I mean, look how many times he springs guys for Kansas City. I mean, he he's he. I don't want to make him into everything. He's not everything. No. But he's something. And what he no. is is something the U.S. is missing. Yes. And that's that stick in a pocket, number 10, that's going to distribute the ball. Yep. I, I'm, with, I'm with him. I'm 100% with him, Eddie. I think Benny Fellhaber is a player who could have helped this, this team immensely, but I don't think Jurgen Klinsmann uh, – not only do I think that they had a, a personality clash, which is why he's not in the team, but I also think he doesn't know how to use Benny correctly. He doesn't know how to use Michael Bradley, but Michael Bradley is the kind of guy who will put his head down and run through a wall for you. Benny Failhaber, probably a, a little bit uh, tougher to deal with. And I think what you saw over this tournament is that Bradley and, and Beckerman, Beckerman's getting to the point where maybe he can't keep up and be the guy that Bradley needs, whereas a year ago he was able to be that guy that could track and do enough of the work that Bradley didn't have to worry about tracking back as much. I think they failed to pair as well together this year as they did last year. And also in some games, Bradley was just given way too much to do in general anyway yeah. in the midfield. So I well. think putting Bradley a little bit behind and not forcing him to create as much allows him to pick up his defensive duties, distribute the ball laterally as much as Paul. So I still have what, a 91% pass completion kind of player in there. And then he gets the ball to Benny Failhubber's feet, and Failhubber finds the, the final pass. Yeah, I'm with him. You got anything else, Eddie? No, that's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about that. I actually agree with you. I oh. thought Failhubber would have done a, a better job of helping you guys break down the stubborn CONCACAF defenses yeah. that are going to present themselves and, in this kind of tournament. And, Whereas, you know, guys like Mick Spiscoe or even Michael Bradley, who right. I don't think which, has that kind of capacity. Which is, why I, which is why I have an issue with Jared. Thanks for the call, Eddie. Why I have an issue with you, Jared, saying that you were okay with this 23. Because there were guys who could have been in this 23 who would have helped them break down CONCACAF defenses in a yeah, way. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's easy to say that after the fact. But when that 23 came out, but were you really that mad? But, where is okay? No, I don't. I don't really I remember. Wondolowski, Wondolowski over Agudelo. That bothers me. Okay, but where's the? You know, I guess. I guess in, in, we should have seen it ahead of time. And I know there were certain people who did. Maybe smarter people than me. Where's the guy who is going to be your calm possession player, and not just, just not a not not just a link player like like Beckerman is. And he's a he's a he's a guy who breaks up uh, opposition play and and picks you know picks a five yard pass. Where's the guy who's going to be Failhaber? Where's the guy who's going to be even Sasha is a, is an upgrade over what Bra what Bradley brought to the team. Bradley is that what Miss Discord was supposed to be? I'm happy. Yeah, well, apparently not because he didn't play, and when he did play, he wasn't effective, and they had him way too deep. Nick and Toledo, I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, thanks for the waiting, man. What's up? Hey, no problem. What's going on, guys? Glad to hear you back on the air. Okay, I appreciate you listening, Nick. Uh, Nick helped me out on Rabble this weekend, Jared. So uh, big ups to Nick. Yeah, and by, by the way, before, just before Nick is into it, because we addressed it. 
Go ahead. We addressed it real quick. Uh, Monday's going to be the new show time for, for guys. We're trying to make an effort to be more consistent, find a night that doesn't have as many complications for Jason and I. So look for us for Mondays in the, in the near future going forward. And also maybe to do a little bonus uh, content for you guys Ooh. on Mondays as well. Oh, he's teasing it. He's teasing it. Nick, what's up? I like it, man. Uh, a couple things. Um, I know everybody's up in arms about the fact that the U.S. lost when they did. Do you guys chalk this up to the, just the U.S. playing as poorly, or is this maybe a sign that CONCACAF is getting a lot better? You know, you had three teams make the knockout stage in the World Cup a year ago. We saw a Jamaica team make it to the final uh, and knock off a U.S. team that they rarely beat. Um, and the second question I have is why, and maybe I missed this, maybe there's something wrong with it, but why has it been no mention of Julian Green this summer? You know, a year ago, all the talk was, oh, he made the World Cup roster over Landon Donovan, and now his name is barely even mentioned when it comes to U.S. soccer. That's because Jurgen Klinsmann runs that hot and that cold with players. And, cl- and clearly Julian Green didn't play, didn't have an opportunity to play, didn't have a good season on loan in Germany. Who? Julian Green. <laughs> oh, oh. He's just, Nick's just saying. Julian? Yeah, he's just suggest. I mean, I, I think the point is, I mean, I don't know if Nick was bringing it to, to this or not, but the point is that. You know, just because that's an example, it's kind of a high profile example of Jurgen Klinsmann failure. He brought Julian Green to the World Cup. I'm not even going to say Overland and Donovan. I'm just going to say he brought Green to the World Cup. Okay. Um, and the kid plays what five minutes and scores a goal. And we're suddenly supposed to say, Oh, Jurgen Klinsmann's a genius. Well, what else? I mean, I'm not saying that he should have called him in for this Gold Cup, clearly, but it's not as though. Klinsman plucked the kid out, and all of a sudden he's a star. I mean, that's that's sort of, again, the mentality Klinsman has, where he is so wrapped up in what comes later that he doesn't take care of business now, Jared. And that's what bothers me. Well, I think he also he also has guys that he's earmarked that are come hell or high water are going to be his guys, and these guys he's earmarked that hell or high water are not going to be his guys. Julian Green, Bobby Wood, who finally broke through and did something with his national team after a number of starts when we were scratching our head like why is this guy still getting brought around? You can even look at uh, like Michael Rosco Fiscal, like guy that's brought it's brought in Wait, who? off and on throughout this entire thing, keeps who? checking back in. That guy. Michael freaking Michael. Fiscal. That guy. And uh, I, he's got a few guys like that. And if he's got guys like Benny Failhaber, Sasha Kleschen, which are just not his guys. And uh, I mean, it doesn't really seem... Wondolowski is another one. He's like, he is just a Klinsman guy. And I don't know what it is that they give him off the field or in training or in the locker room, but there's something about certain personality types because I don't see what it is on the field. Yeah. It's got to be personality types, and certain guys just don't fit the Klinsman mold. I, I think that there's an element. Thanks for the call, Nick. I'm going to move on. I think there's an element of obstinance, stubbornness in Jurgen Klinsman, and I, I tried to identify this um, on one of my shows. I'm sorry. I, it's just I'm too, too much talking. He has this – I'll get your opinion on this, Jared. He has this tendency to – to if a player is not playing well, if a player is still growing into their position and is hurting the team, he's more likely to stick with that player when everybody else is calling for that player to sit down. I'm not saying Jurgen Klinsmann reads all the press, but he's got to be aware of how much people hated that Timothy Chandler kept his place in the team every single game over this tournament up until um, uh, up until whatever the, the he, he didn't play against somebody. I can't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. And I think that rather than, like, he may even get to the point where, oh, I, I got to sit Timmy down. He's not really helping us out. He's more of a problem than a help. But then as soon as everybody starts going, Timmy Chandler should sit down, Klinsman, like, gets stubborn and, like, no, this is my team. I'm going to play Timmy Chandler come hell or high water, just like you said. No, I, I, I equate him, I, I equate him to a friend of mine who, when he plays blackjack, it doesn't matter how far down he goes. He will keep playing until he plays himself back into a winning position. When everyone else is saying, you should walk away, you've lost too much money, you've lost, can you afford this? And then he'll just sit there until eventually he gets back into the right position. It's not the way I would play, but right. it, and it's, yeah. it's irresponsible, I'd say, to a certain extent, but that's how I feel well, about look, when I watch him play. That's fine over a long, longer time frame, especially when you talk about friendlies and maybe working some things out and trying to put together your best team for a tournament. But don't do it in a tournament. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it inside the tournament. Well, also, you t- 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 
at what point do we just say, Timothy Chandler, we're gonna we're gonna start you in any game under eighty degrees? If it's under <laughs> eighty degrees, Timothy Chandler is a is a quality right back in the world. Oh, yeah. He just not he, over eighty degrees. He turns into chocolate. I mean, he just starts melting. That's he he can't do it. But one other thing, you've talked about position for a second, and to go back to Michael Bradley and go back to like say Clint Dempsey. I think a lot. Michael Bradley is in a Landon Donovan like situation where, like Landon, what's Landon's position? Yeah. What is Landon? Is he a right midfielder? Is he a striker? What's Dempsey's position? I think we kind of figured out with Dempsey, he plays behind the striker, between the midfielder. I get that, okay. But Michael Bradley, he may go down over his course of his U.S. national team career. With that question mark, everyone knows he's a central midfielder, but what kind? Yeah, but I, I, I think it, to that's this day only, it's not solved. I think that's only because Klinsman has muddied the waters. That's I think it's only because Klinsman has muddied the waters in this era of the team. I don't know what comes next, and maybe Jurgen Klinsman takes them all the way to 2018, and by that point, uh, Michael Bradley will be 29, almost 30 years old, probably 30 years old, and maybe he doesn't have another cycle in him, but maybe he makes it to 34, and we find something else out. I don't know. Seven one nine. You've been patient. Who's that? This is Phil in Colorado. How What's are you going guys? on, Phil? So, obviously, Jurgen gets Ooh, monster cast all the time and can't figure out how to win in this in this region against anybody. Um, with the World Cup draw taking place and Group E having Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Costa Rica, I mean, assuming Costa Rica gets through, who should we be more scared of, uh, Panama or Jamaica? In terms of the hex, you mean? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, in terms of yeah. who would we who, who we match up worse against because we did poorly against both teams in the Gold Cup. Well, okay, uh, yeah, I guess it's true. I mean, I can't discount those results, can I, Jared? Um, right now, I'm a little bit more scared of Jamaica. They've got momentum. They've got a lot of talent. They've got they brought in all those English bred players, and they're paying dividends. And Schaefer is clearly a good coach. I don't know if he takes them all the way through qualifying necessarily but if he does then he knows how to coach that team up and and that i'd be i mean i mean going to the office is never a fun trip and if they can beat us at home now jared uh-oh yeah i think they've definitely been given a lot of um they've been getting a lot of i'd say uh, th- there's no reason to fear the u.s at home anymore for those teams and i think for most of the teams in Concacaf, uh, the u.s has been a fortress for for home games and over what two decades and I think now they're going to see there's a little bit of a crack in the dam. And I don't want to overplay it too much, but it does seem that there's no reason for them to fear coming here and playing uh, in the U.S. But I'm going to take Panama in that situation, mainly because um, I think Panama has kind of been on the verge of being there for a while. Um, they do have some age players that they're, they're going to be probably cycling out in their future. How much longer is Tejada going to play, Perez going to play? But... They beat us without those two guys. They have talent coming up behind them. And I think Panama's been on the edge of this for quite some time, and I think they feel that. Jamaica, I think, it could be a threat for definitely for the next four years, but I think Panama's there right now. Okay. Thanks for the call, Phil. I'm going to move on, take a little break from the phone calls here for a minute. Um, just to review what he was talking about, Jerry, with the, uh, World, Cup, or sorry, the, yeah, the World Cup qualifying draw. That, first of all, that was held. Did you watch any of that on Saturday? That was really early for you, I bet. <laughs> I didn't watch any of that. I just saw that it was like I saw highlights of Putin and Sepp Blatter uh, shaking hands, and I thought Gozer was going to come out or something like that at that point. There was uh, there was an amazing cultural display right after Blatter gave his speech and before they started the draw. There was this weird like it was like it was like Russian hip hop. There was actual break dancing. There was like Russian break dancing, if you can imagine something like that. Guys in what looked to be traditional Russian garb doing some break dancing moves to what apparently was a uh a version of pink's party some what's that party song that she's got or she had like 10 years ago <laughs> I, I don't know like uh, uh, let's let's i don't know uh, pink delicious i don't no, know no, no, it's a song about party like let's get the party started get the party started or something like that and they were playing it on like russian it was so isn't that black eyed peas weird no 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 it's not it's not that song let's it's, get it's, it started no that's let's get uh, it started this is something party whatever and it was amazing well, i didn't get to see any of it but let me tell me tell me if this is true I didn't get to see any of this. Tell me if this is true. At some point, were there beautiful women in cocktail dresses on stage? There was. Well, I think Miss Russia was one of the uh, one of the hostesses, hosts of the event. I didn't really pay enough attention. I don't think I saw any like random 
cocktail dress wearing women, but I think they were there. I don't know. I, I just remember that Miss Russia had very had a very awkward interaction with Jerome Valky, which was bordering on creepy. You need to get registered, dude, because that was not cool. Like that's how bad it was with Jerome Valky that's when he the, came out. That's the vibe I tend to put off as well. Yeah. <laughs> But we did get the draw, okay? And the draw for the fourth round, they, they did the third round qualifying draw, which is where some of those lesser-ranked teams in CONCACAF play each other to see who goes to the fourth round. So, like, Canada's going to play Belize in a home-and-away home series. Uh, or home-and-away, yeah, home-and-away series. Jamaica gets Nicaragua, um, uh, Curacao, and El Salvador. All right, so once those teams, when those teams get figured out, we'll have our groups for the fourth round. United States was drawn, drawn into Group C. Their teams that they're drawing with are Trinidad and Tobago, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, or Aruba, so the winner of that series, or, I'm sorry, and Antigua and Barbuda, or Guatemala, winner of that series. So basically, we're playing Kokomo. It's a, it's a, it's a cakewalk group, and here's my problem. I don't feel like I can think of it as a cakewalk right now with the way things are going. Like, I feel like I need to be a little bit more wary. It's, and here's the, you know, remember last time the United States qualified for a World Cup, they went to Antigua and Barbuda under Jurgen Klinsmann and needed Eddie Johnson to bail them out and Alan Gordon to bail them out in, on that wet cricket pitch down there. So it's not like this hasn't happened, yeah, it, been, been interesting before. Go ahead. What, what bothers me is that I don't get to be positive about this team. Like, I got to for about two weeks. After the, the Germany Netherlands ground, and it's this is fate just smacking me down for, for believing in this team. I, I like, I'm not allowed to be positive about this team for more than a month at a time, I feel. And that's how I feel about this. I, cause where I am now compared to where I was two months ago after the, or even a month and a half, I can't remember how long ago it was, I felt that the U.S. could take on anybody. And it only took about what? 20 minutes against Honduras to completely unravel that confidence. Yeah. You saw it in the team. The confidence, where's that swagger you should have after those two games? It's nowhere on the field. And coming out of this tournament, I'm not worried about beating Mexico on October 9th. I'm worried about beating Antigua. Yeah. 3-1-0, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Ruben. I didn't know I was going to be on the air. Yeah, to listen to the show. Uh, well, <laughs> you call okay. a number that tends to happen. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Ruben. Uh, we we That's okay. we, we take them all on I, screen I and move on. Go ahead. No, I think you know you guys make a lot of salient points, and uh, I think that the odd player choices in the original thirty-five, as well as his odd player choices for starting lineups, it's just finally catching up with him and him being Jurgen. Yeah. Um. You know, I really believe, I think we've actually, uh, com- I think we've been quite successful considering how odd his player choices and unorthodox his position of players have been in the lineup and playing people out of position. We've actually accomplished quite a bit. When you, when you go all the way back to Jurgen's entire tenure with the randomness of which he places players and makes his choices, we've We've almost achieved in spite of him. I believe that to be well, true. Well, even if that's not true, Ruben, what's interesting is that he doesn't seem to take the 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 evidence that he can gather from putting out random lineups and putting players in odd positions. He doesn't seem to take that information and use it to any effect. Meaning he doesn't take, when they go and they beat Germany and the Netherlands, as Jared was just talking about, it's not like he takes that information and then goes, well, now we apply it to the team in a competitive environment. He just sort of throws it out the window and goes, let's try this now. And it doesn't, that's what's scary about it, is he doesn't seem to connect one, he doesn't connect one thing, even the good stuff. And credit him for the good stuff. He doesn't seem to connect the good stuff to the next step, Jared. That's what's scary. Well, I think Absolutely. he did in one regard. We saw GSC Zardes have a, a okay. role in this team. Sorry, Jared. Coming out of those two. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Jared. I, you, no, <laughs> Ruben was talking, and I uh, just can't have that. Sorry. Well, you led me in, so I took it. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, the one thing, to be fair, Jurgen Klinsmann did take Giassi Zardes as something out of those two games and implement them into the Gold Cup. I think that's something absolutely that worked during those two games, and he made an effort to try to make it work in the Gold Cup. I don't know that Giassi had much success in this Gold Cup, but no. I do think that he attempted to put him into the best 11 because of his, sure, his showings. Sure, but don't you feel as though what we learned in those two friendlies is that Giassi's artist is best used as a forward? 
Isn't that what we learned? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then what I, did he that's, do? That's fair. And then what did he do when we got to the Gold Cup? Did he use Jesse's artist as a forward? No, he used no. him as a left midfielder. He used him as a midfielder. I mean, I think he may have pushed him up high against Cuba in the second half with the result already determined. That's as much as we got. By the way, we had a caller earlier, way back, ask about the voting for U.S. soccer president. And I, yes. and I, just in case, I mean, I, I don't know that I had really reviewed it in a while, but just so White you know. White smoke from a, from a brick building in Chicago, right? Yeah. The, the National Council shall be the representative membership body of the Federation and have the authority to elect, elect the president and vice president of the Federation. The following shall be members of the National Council and entitled to one vote unless otherwise specifi- specified in this bylaw. I'm reading the bylaws. Uh, one, delegate, delegates from the state associations, national associations and professional leagues having votes as determined and weighted under section two. So there's a, another section and different, uh, different groups get different weights of votes. But just so you know, there's like an elected, I mean, like there's a representative group that, that elects, uh, Sinugulati athletes, delegates having votes as determined, blah, 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 blah. Voting members, the board of directors, which includes Garber and, uh, used to include Merritt Paulson. I think he stepped down. There's a bunch of other people on the board of directors, uh, past presidents of the Federation get to vote. Life members, I'm not sure who those are exactly, they get to Chuck vote. Chuck Blazer. <laughs> uh, let's see. Commissioners of the Adult Council's Administrative Commission shall be delegates and entitled to a vote. Uh, commissioners of the Youth Council's Administrative Commission shall be delegates and entitled to a vote in the Youth Council. It's complicated as hell. I, I feel like this subsection right here is the reason John Tannenwald exists. And by the way... I need him to take tell me about this in a way I understand it. Yeah, and the other thing is that the last time Sinugulati ran for U.S. soccer president, he ran unopposed. 301, you're on the air. Hey, it's Amir from D.C. What's up, Amir? I saw the Mad Echo, so if I just talk, I don't know. Um, so we always hear Klinsman, he's, uh, uh, we don't hear it, but he's always playing all these young players. He's, he's always, we always criticize him also for playing too many young players. But if you notice, they're always the... Um, they're always German Americans, except for Alvarado. <laughs> well, okay, Giassi's artist too. But uh, I, I'm not like, some names, some names I'll just throw out there. Uh, Steve Birnbaum, maybe for the defense, maybe. Okay, you're homering it up, Amir. I'm gonna let oh, you wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, He's I'm got not, a point though. I'm what not, about I'm, Harry Ship? Okay, Harry Ship. Where does Harry Ship play? Look, I like Harry Ship, but Harry Ship is is Benny Failhaber without the defensive work, and that's. Remember, Benny Failhaber took a while to left get to the point. I don't think you have to play Harry Ship in the middle. You could play him at that left no, midfield you, position and okay. be okay. But do you get enough coverage on the flank with Harry Ship at the international game with the speed and the, and the uh, athleticism? Fabian Johnson behind him, he's capable of covering that. Okay, for, yeah, and by the way, Fabian Johnson is a left back, not a left mid in the U.S. setup. I don't think he's effective as a left mid, but that's neither here nor there. Amir, go ahead. Um, uh, another name will throw out there that I don't think is getting credit. I think Ethan Finley should get a shot. Absolutely. Absolutely get a look. Ethan Finley's having a stellar season so far, but if you say Ben DeLeon, we're hanging up on you. Ben DeLeon? Who the (laughs) hell is Ben DeLeon? Nick. Nick Ben DeLeon. (laughs) Well, I keep saying (laughs) names of people I know when I'm in to say other people's names. Honestly, if it was up for me, Chris Rolfe would be the next captain of the United States. Okay. All right, Amir. That's wow. the homer. That's the homer going too far. I love Chris Rolfe, but not not as the captain of the U.S. men's national team. All right. Uh, look, we we've done forty minutes on the national team here. I know that's the topic du jour. I, I think we should probably transition, right? I mean, we, let's, if let's people some... want to call in with more, they can. You and I can transition. If someone wants to call in with more, okay, we'll do well, it. Well, considering we're doing this whole show in, you know, in the dark, behind the scenes, and people are calling in and talking about whatever's on their mind, we're probably going to get a couple more calls like that. In the meantime, let's just – how about we look ahead? Whether or not we talk about the team and their progress and their lack thereof and their lack of success, let's talk about October 9th, Jared, in your backyard – I don't know how long it takes you to get to Pasadena. I'm going to guess six hours from from your house to Pasadena just because of traffic. Uh, Rose Bowl. (laughs) I'm just kidding, of course. Rose Bowl. 95,000 people are going to show up. And and more than than what this means for the U.S. and obviously it's a playoff to get to Confederations Cup, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any sense at all that this might be the opportunity for fans of the U.S. men's national team to finally show up in significant numbers in L.A. for a game that involves Mexico, or should we just chalk this up to 90,000 Mexicans? 
I think you should chalk it up to 90,000 Mexicans, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And, and here's why I say that. For example, I'm, I want to go to this game. I want to take my kid to this game. It's an important game. It's a great soccer game, a great environment, but I don't want to take my kid to this game. I don't, I, I've been to USA-Mexico games in, at the Rose Bowl. I don't feel safe. And I think most American fans that have gone to games against Mexico there will tell you the same thing. Yeah. I don't feel safe. So, so what there. we have here, and look, I don't want to paint everybody, and I want to paint every Mexico fan with the same brush. I don't think that's fair at all. Me either. But based on what we saw in Atlanta, and based on some of the history, and based on the fact that you're telling me that there is a significant problem with intimidation and the reception it's not just that though jason it's that the rose bowl staff doesn't understand how to regulate a soccer game like this okay okay and the lapd doesn't either so are we at the point now where if and look maybe this is never going to happen because guess what they'll sell it out and they'll make a ton of money and maybe nobody at CONCACAF cares but we are we to the point now where if this game was going to even have a chance at having solid U.S. national team representation, meaning wear your jersey and fly your colors and support your team. We'd have to have segregated seating, segregated entrances, segregated tailgates, segregated everything. I think it's almost at that point, dude. I, I mean, honestly, it, it's just the, the Internet is full. Just uh, to, tonight, anyone who's listening or tomorrow who's listening, send us your story about attending a USA-Mexico game at a Rose Bowl because I guarantee you there's more than a handful. I know the people. I've heard these stories. I've, I've read these stories about people that just – it's not safe, okay. and I'm All not right. going to take myself or let alone my family yeah. into that environment. Look, and I'm not putting I'm not putting this again. What what, I, what we're getting here is direct stories from Jared, who's been there. And again, this isn't everybody, but if there's enough of a if there's if there's a, enough people who go to support Mexico who make it uncomfortable or dangerous for people who don't support Mexico, and I don't I mean, this might happen with other teams, Jared. This might not just be a USA thing. Nobody's saying this is like some anti-American anti-gringo thing or something like that i mean if mexico shows up in huge numbers the way that they do all over the country they probably make it intimidating for a lot of people to go and they probably force the staff to have to deal with a lot they're not used to so my question is 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 it is it fair that this is the way things are or does Concacaf or u.s soccer or whoever else is involved depending on who's running the game do they have an imperative to make it more to make it safer to make it better for a better split to happen because that means more, spending more money. I think they they owe it to the to the fans that are going to the game of both sides to make sure that it is safe for both sides. Okay. And I think they I I can't blame them for going for the cash grab either. But you know what? There could have been a safe if it's really it, it, the U.S. is supposed to get somewhat of an advantage in this as being the team that won in 2013. So it's going to be on our home soil. I don't know how much say we had on that, but why couldn't this game be an Arrowhead Stadium? Kansas City is a hotbed for U.S. You can still get 100,000 people to show up, and it'll probably be more of an equal split. It's just not a guarantee the way the Rose Bowl is. And I think there are there is something to be said for that. It's so obvious. This choice is so obvious for so many reasons. Yes, you can say it's in the U.S., the USA is getting to host this, but it's not really to our advantage. But at the same time, that's our fault. For guy, because well, guys no, look, like me forget are that. being pusses about it forget, and not going. Forget, forget whose fault it is. Forget... Whether or not, look, I, I, I can understand the argument being, well, hey, it's on American soil. If you don't want Mexico to have the home field advantage, show up. I, that's true, okay? But it is clear that this is 100% a bald cash grab. 100%. Without but this game... Are, are, we, are they hiding the fact that they're in it for the money? Has CONCACAF ever been anything other than this? No, but, but, but if you were going to... I mean, we just got done with a Gold Cup rampant with issues of competitive integrity over calls for Mexico, but also in general, the, the, just the tenor around and the And famous conduct as well. Throwing stuff con on the field. And, and CONCACAF, in response to all of that, instead of saying, you know what, let's try to make this as equitable as possible. You know what, we have, look, let's take this to Canada. Or, or let's take this to, I don't know, Costa Rica. And play it, you know, who knows who shows up, but at least you, USA or Mexico won't have an advantage over one another in a game that determines who goes to the Confederations Cup. If we're going to treat this like a serious bit of business, competitive business, it wouldn't be at the Rose Bowl. If we're no. going to treat it like a cash grab, it's at the Rose Bowl. I'm saying they probably could have made a pretty close to the amount of money having it someplace like 
Dallas, having it someplace like Kansas City. I mean, having it someplace that is not in in far north part of the U.S. You're not having it in Boston or anything like that. Having it in someplace other than L.A., but someplace that I don't know. It, it, the U.S. has an advantage in Kansas City. We have an amazing contingent of people that show up in Kansas City, and I'm not saying it needs to be skewed to the U.S.'s advantage, but it's just in no way to the U.S. advantage to have it in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. It, uh, listen, I, I, I get well, it. That, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm probably being uh, just well, trying to No, but that's what I'm saying. Is I'm not sure that it's supposed to be to anybody's advantage. I don't know that they decided on this thinking, oh, this is to the U.S. I mean, I, I don't know nominally if they meant that this was supposed to be U.S. advantage because it's on U.S. soil or what. I, I think they just picked the, sta- the biggest stadium in a place they knew would sell out. And guess what? It cost more dollars to go to a game at the Rose Bowl, they'll make more money than if you had put it at the Azteca. I mean, I would have cried foul, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. But they're going to make they'd make less money on this game what, at the Azteca. Where would a neutral place have been in the U.S.? Is there, what's the closest thing to neutral? Well, that's what we I'm saying. Like, why does it have to be the U.S.? I mean, maybe it does just because of logistics. But I mean, have the thing at BMO Field for crap's sake. I don't care. Have it. Um, if if it's really about the the competition, if it's not about selling tickets to it, then it's then it doesn't matter where you hold it outside of the Azteca, the Rose Bowl, Columbus Crew Stadium, or whatever the hell that thing's called now. Uh, there's there's like three places in this part of the world where it, it's significantly to the advantage of one team or the other. You could have picked any player anywhere else. Yeah. You, could, you could have held it at Foxborough. Now they don't have the right surface, and that's ugly. But you could have held it at Foxborough. Maybe you get sixty five thousand out for that. Maybe 45,000 of them are Mexico fans, but 25, mm-hmm. 20,000 of them are U.S. fans. And that's a good. How about Seattle? Seattle. Why not? I mean, throw, I, I know the turf again. For, for, Soldier Field, right? Lots of Mexico fans go to Soldier Field, but it's never. I think that would actually be one of the closest things to a, as, to neutral as possible. There's a large Mexican contingent in Chicago. It's not in some place where you automatically know that you're going to be outnumbered. It's got a huge venue. It's on natural grass. That seems like a really good choice to me. Yeah. I, I it, but that didn't matter. Because it was about the money. By the way, about guaranteed money. If if Jamaica had won, the game was going to be at Red Bull Arena. If the well, if Jamaica had won, it was going to be a Red Bull Arena. If Jamaica had beaten Mexico, the USA Jamaica playoff would have been at Red Bull Arena. It should have been the same place, no matter who made who won it. That <laughs> it should have been determined ahead of time and been the same place, no matter what. No, that does, that's not that's not what it's about, man. It's about making cash. Straight up cash. They didn't put it in Miami. Look, look, look at my shirt. Look at what Chuck is saying right now. All right. Yeah, baller. Uh, next up on the agenda, the United States men's national team will play a home qualifier at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, if your first response might be, ugh, baseball stadium, and that's my response, but then that's you go, Bush League. Eh. oh, my God, dude, that was the worst. That, that, was, that was, that's terrible. Hold on. Damn, dog. In a I don't know what I'm doing. Danger zone. Yeah, that's that's the one. Uh, Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri, baseball venue for a soccer match. Now, look, St. Louis is a historic home of soccer in the United States. I get that. I'm cool with you know rewarding San, uh, St. Louis on some level, but why is it got to be at the baseball stadium? We got a dome. I guess there's no other place. You don't have to play it across. Because now it's not enough that we experiment and force people into positions on the field for U.S. Men's National Team. Now we got to do it with the field. We got to just make stadiums into something they're not and just pigeonhole venues to try to spread the gospel of, Look, of I, MLS. I, I hope that's he, what this is. This is spreading the gospel of MLS to a city that should have an MLS team and can't get its stuff together to I get guess, one. I guess. I, I hope they sell it out. I think that this screams cash grab because... First of all, who is it going to be against? It's like it's like the November match, right? Like I don't know what the schedule. Yeah, I, which one is. I, I can't remember what the schedule looks like. Trevor, if you can figure it out, that's fine. I'm it, using a Mac it, right now. I don't know how to use this. It thing. doesn't matter because it's going to be against one of Trinidad and Tobago, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, or Aruba, Antigua and Barbuda, or Guatemala. It's going to be against one of those teams. Okay, so we know it's not a visiting fan draw, right? It's not. It's not a visiting fan draw in the way that Honduras or El Salvador or Mexico is. So it's a cash grab. It's a, it's a it's it's supposed to be a special event, unique, one-off, weird thing. We're playing a qualifier at Bush Stadium, again in in one of the ancestral homes of soccer in America, which is cool. And please come out and fill up the stadium, and we'll get forty-five thousand or whatever, and it will be triple the usual qualifier crowd for this kind of game. That's what it is. It's a cash grab. 
Listen, it's smart to a certain extent. I just don't like that it's in a baseball stadium. If it was in, if there was a better facility in St. Louis, they could do the same thing. Great. It just feels wrong to to treat a game. It, it also, I'd be insulted if I was the other team playing on, in this game. Yeah. What? You, I'm not good enough for you to play me on an actual soccer game, on a soccer field. You got to invent a way to get a crowd here. Well, it's kind of okay, but see, when we go down to the Caribbean, they're gonna make us play on cricket pitches. So what? Well, it's it's you know tit for tat, right? Who cares? Uh, okay. I, I still say, the, I mean, the pitch is the same for both teams. You hear that all the time. I know, this is all right. true. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention Sunil Galati backing Jurgen Klinsmann to the hilt, saying you, we won't even lose his job if they lose on October 9th. Jared, do you have an pr- uh, opinion on that quickly? Yeah, I said so beforehand. I, first of all, I think that that should be the deal breaker for Jurgen Klinsmann. He has to have deliverables. No yeah. one has come out and said what Jurgen Klinsmann's deliverables are for this tenure. What is it? Just simply make the World Cup? If that's all it is, we're not progressing as a no, nation. I agree. The, the deliverable has to be higher. It needs to be win the Gold Cup. It needs to be make the Confederations Cup. It needs to be make the World Cup and then make the round of 16. We need to push for bigger results. And right now, we have a guy operating with a blank check. Yep. Uh, by the way, get to the chopper! It's not going down yet. The chopper's not going down. I'm not saying it is. It's not going to go down, dude. They owe him too much money if they back out of it. <laughs> okay. He's not leaving. That's a, that's a good point. All right. Let's talk some MLS. Lots of results from the weekend. Uh, do you want to start with big name signings or do you want to start with the games? I think it's probably Let's better to start with signings, the signings, dude. Let's signings? do signings. Let's do the sexy stuff. Sexy signings. Didier Drogba signed by Montreal after Chicago basically whiffed so on him. So sexy. So wet that hair. Are you, <laughs> that's that. That is all kind. Damn, dog, that's inappropriate. That's all I mean, I'm a man who, no matter what I do, my hair is dr- looks dry like a fro. It, it, it's like it's like a. I don't know. I cannot get my hair to ever do conditioner right. I'm so in awe of Didier Drogba. He always looks like he's just dapper. Okay, he does look. He does look suave on the field. I give you that. And he's obviously a, a specimen, an incredible soccer player. Is he the right guy for MLS? 37. I don't care about Forget MLS. You know what? Let's stop doing that, Jared. Let's you and I resolve to stop with this. Is he the right guy for MLS? No. 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 The question is, is he the right guy for the Montreal Impact? Ooh, yeah. I mean, if you think about, I mean, they they lose their young striker that was doing so well as a rookie. um, You know what? When I look at Montreal, I think they could use a big guy up front. Uh, they have a lot of technical players in the midfield and, and, and around the, the top. We have Don Adele. There's a lot of technique there. No. And I think they could deal with, they could use a little brawn. What, what they've you got. Know, if you think about uh, Oduro, they have a, someone very fast up front. Yeah, yeah. I think they need a compliment to what they have there. What they don't have is a center forward, which is what Didier Drogba is. So now they have a center forward to go with the. Uh, the off striker, the guy who makes the five yard run in Jack McInerney, the poacher, and mm-hmm. the speedster in Domaduro. Whether they can cobble together an effective team from that group remains to be seen. I have no problem with this signing. And in fact, obviously beyond, uh, what he'll do on the field, Didier Drogba's French speaking Didier Drogba will be a massive hit in Montreal. I have no doubt about that. You know who else could he use the center forward? Chicago Fire. They could have, and they went after him really hard. I think this came down to the player choosing. I don't want to go to Chicago. I want to go to Montreal. A guy with the name Didier that wants to play in a French-speaking city? That makes sense, actually. And you know what? They, I think the fire were bitter about this. And I, you know, the fire, it's not really their fault what's been happening to them the last two years. They went for Jermaine Jones. Whatever. We had the blind draw. They lost. They go for Didier Drogba. Apparently, they were talking to him for weeks he just wasn't that interested. And when it came down yeah, to it, also went after Neri Castillo. I mean, they've well, gone over, they've gone after some really bad history. choices too, but that's ancient history. That's ancient history. And, and look, they, they took the money that they got from Montreal, uh, allocation money, targeted allocation money, which is that new joint, the TAM, and they used it to bring Gilberto back to MLS, Jared. Gilberto, formerly of TSC. A player who showed some promise at TFC, and for whatever reason, it just never clicked, partly because it's TFC. Yeah, I was talking about this with, uh, I think it was Travis Clark today, and it's it's funny. Like You almost wonder, is TFC the problem? Because look at Joao Plata. Couldn't get anything together at TFC. Comes to Real Salt Lake, he's a revelation. Maxi Arruti, I'm not going to say he's a revolution for Portland, but he's much better than I thought he ever was. 
for TSC in okay. Portland. Okay. So who's to say Gilberto's not the next guy? He could I be. Mean, he, could be. he definitely could be. The problem could be TFC. And would that really be too, too unimaginable? No, it wouldn't. Not at all. All right, moving along. Sean Wright Phillips is now a New York Red Bull. Is that I love uh, this. What, what you just love the brother brother thing? Yeah, just sign Ian Wright as the technical director too. <laughs> just get them all there. Just get just get the whole family together. How um, old is Sean Wright Phillips? Thirty three years old. Yeah, that's not that bad. That uh, does he still got speed? I haven't. Where was he at last? Was he at Tottenham? He was at he was Park at, Rangers. Where was he? He was at QPR last. Yes. QPR, okay. I mean, hey, I mean, listen, is good for his brother. I mean, yeah, well, it's worked yes. out for his brother dang well. I don't think that Sean Wright Phillips is going to walk into the starting lineup. I mean, look, he's an incredibly, he's a player of incredible experience. He's a former England international. We know he's got talent. I think that obviously he's not fit yet. I don't think he's fit right now. So that's something to consider. Um, I, but consider the depth they have now: Sal Zizzo, Lloyd Sam, Sean Wright Phillips. They've got wingers to help them out. Get the ball to Bradley Wright Phillips all day and all night. Uh, you think about the tandem of speed and Wright Phillips and Sam. That's pretty nice. Yeah. But the problem is, who's going to come back and play defense? That that's that is an issue, and that's uh, I guess that's why Dax McCarty is an all star. Jared Robert from L.A. You're on the air. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? It's going well, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, I want to talk about uh, L.A. real fast. And you guys, you guys were talking about the new signings, and even though they're, they're great players and all, and I agree, and I love to see them, but. They're only going to be around for a very short period of time, as opposed to like you know L.A. and and I was you know L.A. against Houston, they were down like they had suspensions and injuries that you were gone away on Nashville. So we got to see some new kids play. Like I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jared, but you know uh, Romney and Laster, they made their debuts and they were pretty good. Yeah, L.A. got thumped, I, I, but but they were away to Houston in the heat, as you said, no Zardis, no Gonzalez, obviously some other no issues. Pinedo. Nil Pinedo, who was with uh, with uh, with Panama, obviously. So yeah, there, there were some issues. I mean, they, you know, that was not LA's best team, but I thought it was no, really disappointing. I, 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 I know where I know where my man's coming from on this. And once again, in that conversation I was having again with Travis Clark today, I think the the in Travis who writes for Top Drawer Soccer, which is definitely one of the leading sites out there for young players coming up through academies and college and, and high school systems. That conversation about these players coming in, the Drogba's, the Gerards, the Lampards. And is it at the expense of the young player that could be coming up instead? But I think in L.A. at least, you're seeing that balance of they got a third-choice left back from their Galaxy 2 coming up and getting starting minutes because that's how stretched a team is that's playing in the Open Cup, the Champions League, MLS, ICC. The teams that are that you get a return on your investment. When you bring the Gerards in and the Keens in and the... And Geo's in, you're going to be playing in the ICC, which is a money grab that pays for these guys. But at the expense of you can't play these guys that many minutes, so your young okay. guys get a chance to start as well. Sure. There is a revolving door here. Yeah, like there, there's an opportunity for you know, some of those young guys. If you're in L.A. and you have available minutes, you could also say that bringing in the Gerards and the Kings and the Giovannis, although he's uh, 27, so he doesn't necessarily count as old, but you, you know, bringing, on, bringing in those players drives the revenue that the team then puts into the academy to give more opportunity to a number of players rather than sort of bemoaning the fact that hey one player is blocked because there's a 35 year old english guy in the way you know what i'm saying jared like i'd rather have 10 guys 15 guys 20 guys have their scholarships taken care of and la be able to hire a better coach and provide better facilities and better training and all that stuff because they signed Steven Gerrard and made some more money than if they then just sort of complain about maybe one L.A. youngster is blocked a little bit because there's a 35-year-old. Because as Robert says, those guys aren't going to be around forever. Yeah, and there's teams out there that are making a push to do it. I think we all saw Lakes doing a good job of reinvesting their money and their youth, but they kind of have to. But the question is, what's going to happen with the TFCs? When you're going to spend that kind of money on Giovinco and Bradley and Altidore, how are you going to get a return investment in your youth program? How are you going to find a way to leverage those stars and still get space and time for, to develop talent that you need one day to back you up? Because these guys won't be there forever. Eventually, these guys are going to move on to, the, to other opportunities. You need that backbone to fall back on. And I don't see how some of these teams are getting their way out. NYCFC, too, too early. No way to know just yet. Seattle, I think, is doing a good job of, of, of developing homegrown talent in addition to bringing in big star DPs. It's, it's going to be a give and take, and not everyone's going to do it the same way. New England Revolution, good luck with that. Yep. Hey, Robert, I got to run. You got anything else, man, quickly? 
Yeah, real fast, guys. Uh, I'll be, if you guys can discuss before the show ends, uh, but, you know, how the whole situation with uh, Mark Geiger before you, that's all I want to ask, guys. But thanks, thanks uh, man, I had a bad day at the office. Thanks, thanks for the call. Um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was real, I thought it was wrong uh, for Cocky Calf to have him issue an apology. I thought that was the worst thing you could possibly do to a you're referee. You're assuming they made him, though. Uh, you think he volunteered and they said, yes, please? I don't know. He might have that kind of like, like I don't know. Even if he volunteered, I think it probably better for Calf to say no, thank you. We back you. Yeah, you had a bad day. Sure, maybe some mistakes were made, but it we can't risk. Yeah, but we have such short term memories. This is the guy that killed it at the World Cup. He reflected us well at the World Cup. I know. I know. It, you know, we can't let just one cup, one bad game throw the guy under the bus yeah he had a bad game yes it let our arch rivals into the into the finals okay well whatever I'm, uh, th- that's just what happened J- why don't you just at least take pride in the fact that you have a good referee that held his own with the best in the world a year ago and had a bad game yeah fair enough uh let's uh we don't have time to go through all the uh mls results i apologize to anybody whose team we miss tonight first of all you just got to talk about that orlando nycfc game jared 5-3, Andrea Pirlo on the field, uh, pretty much amazing. Kyle Aaron with a hat trick, uh, kind of short. Yeah, yeah, I was on a plane, so unfortunately I couldn't watch it. I got to see the highlights afterwards, but that looked like a fun game. That, was that looked like a fun game, man. I mean, that many goals, those type of players scoring them, the, the quality of the goals, that's what you want. If you have a first-time MLS viewer coming out to see Pirlo because their last name ends in I, and that's the game you wanted them to see. How ironic is it you said that when his name ends in an O? I don't know. That's just funny to me. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Dallas 4, Portland 1 quickly. That's uh, that's just another win for FC Dallas. Five in a row. Uh, they take down a team. Look, they're good at home. They're going to they're gonna beat teams who melt in their own version of the Texas Heat. Castillo was brilliant. Uh, Michael Berrio scored twice. FC Dallas, to me, probably, I don't know, best team in the league right now. Shaking off the, the that moniker of the team that folds midway through the season so far. I mean, they good rebound because they were going that direction. They showed character, and this is without Blas Perez. I mean, a guy that has been talismanic for them early in the season. So I, I think it's um, I think it's a really good uh, best team in this in the league. I'd say they're the hottest team in the league. I don't know if they're the best. I would think still Seattle with a full complement of players, L.A. with a yeah, full complement no, of no, players no, can no, do no. it. Forget forget full complement. Right now, based on the way they've been playing, and look, I've been doing power rankings for ESPN FC. I'm not a big well, fan you're of asking me to power rank. That's what you're asking. Yeah, me I am do. asking. Look, I don't like power rankings. I think they're dumb. Uh, but I have DC United tops only because they've been fairly consistent. Now they add Saborio and Spindola. They come back from two goals East down against Philadelphia. Coast. What'd you say? East Coast. East Coast bias. Is that what you're putting? They're playing East Coast. No, they're playing oh, East Coast teams. Eastern Conference teams. I, look, man, you, you can only beat who's in front of you. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. I agree, but, but I'm allowed to take that with a grain of salt if I okay, want. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Columbus 3, Toronto 3. That game's only notable because Columbus was up 3 nothing through like 50 minutes, and then TFC turned it on, <clears throat> got goals from uh, from Sebastian Jovinko, and I can't remember who scored the second, and then Altidore won a, won a penalty, Jared. And Toronto came back. Uh, are you? Is that a bad thing for Columbus? Are you worried for Columbus? I'm very worried for Columbus because I have really high hopes for them. There, I think I picked them to win the East at the beginning of the season. I think they have the talent to do it. And right now, they're their own worst enemy. They just cannot get out of the way of themselves. They tend to, they're finding a way to deflate and, and fall apart in every game. You have a guy in Ethan Finley that may be the hottest midfielder in the league right now. He's assisting all over the place. You have the leading scorer in the whole league in Kai Kamara. You gotta stop giving away leads. You gotta shore up that defense. You have what, in my mind, is one of the best, uh, best center backs or best defenders in the league in Michael Parkhurst. Things just aren't coming together. And how can you not, how are you giving up so many uh, goals? When you have Chani and you have Will Trapp, you have plenty of good midfielders in there as well. It's really surprising right now. I, I, I think it's a problem of identity and it's a problem of confidence right now in Columbus. And if that's the case, you start looking at the coach at some point. All right. Uh, let's see. Chicago and New England uh, tied 2-2. Houston beat L.A. We already talked about that game a little bit. D.C. Philadelphia mentioned that one. Vancouver 3, San Jose 1. 
Uh, you would expect the Whitecaps to beat the Quakes right now. And I think I have to go back to, oh, Montreal beat Seattle 1-0 because Seattle's bad without Dempsey and Martins, Jared. Uh, and, and that would be without Papa for a while, too. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, Laurent Simon is a pretty good player, scored the winning goal. Uh, RSL 2, Kansas City, uh, Sporting Kansas City 1. Apparently Sporting Kansas City can't win in Utah. Only team they've lost to twice this year is, is RSL. And maybe this is another opportunity for us to turn it on, Jared, and suddenly become the team did, we... Did I, did I tell you my irresponsible conspiracy theory about Marco Papa? No. What is it? So when the salaries come out, and I see that Marco Papa is on $75,000 a year... Yeah, guy who came back from Europe, by the way. Guy came back from Europe, known quantity, known good player, had a great season last season didn't get a bump. I start to wonder how much Seattle knew about off-the-field problems with him. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. How Outside else do you get Marco Papa for $75,000 a year? There has God. to be something. That is maybe the most underpaid player for talent yeah. in the entire league. Maybe. Uh, you know, back-end stuff, I guess, on his contract, but that might not explain it all. Uh, maybe he's just a bad agent. I don't Listen, know. Like I said, it's irresponsible, but it's something that went through my head. Yeah. Well, let's let's that. just take the opportunity here talking about Marco Papa, and he's not the first MLS player to get caught up in this, and he won't be the last. And let's just say kids do not drink and drive ever, 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 ever. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Get, 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 that's what Uber's for. Danger zone. That's right. Let the let the random guy in the in the black Prius pick you up and take you where you the, need that's to go. That's a good that's a good lesson, kids. When you're drunk, get into a random person's vehicle. <laughs> a random black Prius, absolutely. That you beat on the internet. All right, I think that's gonna do it. Uh, we didn't get to I don't know. We didn't get to range too far and wide tonight, but we had a good well, time. Let, we're gonna do bonus material. We will do a little bit of that after this. So make sure you're paying attention to the best soccer show feed on Twitter. Go to backhill.com. Trevor will be blasting out stuff all over the place for whatever we decide to put together here. Jared's got an idea. So with that, we will say I think good I'll play day. a little TV game show I, I created. Ooh, okay. Well, that, let's, with that, let's say good day from the best soccer show proper on a Monday night. Thank you very much for listening. We will... I'm a little into this. I'm not usually into this. We will talk to you next week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Later. What have you done for me lately? Oh, it's incredible! Play Joe Blades. Chester Copperpot! Jay Rodius.